Here's an honest question. How are you supposed to know what to do with your money? Very few of us are exposed to meaningful advice on how to manage our finances. Even fewer have the means to get professional financial guidance. Betterment is a platform that was built to do something radical, to give accessible financial advice that puts you first. If you're like most Americans, your money is probably sitting in a savings account, likely earning you next to nothing. Maybe you have an investment account that you're not really sure what to do with. Betterment can help you make sense of what to do with your money. Investing involves risk, but you don't have to know the ins and the outs of the stock market to start investing for your future. Betterment's technology will put your money to work choosing the stocks and strategies that are right for you because we know you have other things to do. Betterment's platform can even provide guidance on what financial goals make sense for you. Give your money a new home with Betterment, peace of mind included. Download the Betterment app today. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-M-E-N-T. For the betterment of you. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finance is made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. I'm your host, Russell Glasser, and with me today is Jen Peoples. Hey, how you doing? Good, how are you? Good. Feels like I haven't been on this show in forever. <laughs> haven't you? I haven't. Oh. It's been, a, what, a couple of months, maybe? Why is that? <laughs> oh, yeah, we had a three-week hiatus. There. Well, okay, yeah, yeah, that happened. Yeah, so. <laughs> I, I've, act, I've also not been on for a while. Uh, I think I haven't been on since I came back from Memphis and did the American Atheist Convention. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, so I can't remember. It's been a while for me, too. Uh, today would be Sunday, April 26, 2015. We are a live call-in public access show based in Austin, Texas, dedicated to promoting positive atheism and the separation of church and state. We're also available through live streaming video at Ustream.tv. And this week, yes, we really are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the official Atheist Experience website is www.atheist-experience.com. You can provide feedback to the show by going to the official show blog at freethoughtblogs.com slash AXP. Or you can email us at tv at atheist-community.org. If you enjoy this show, you can check out our related podcast, The Nonprofits, which is airing on the first and third Wednesdays of every month. You can find links at the Atheist Experience website, and the next Nonprofits will be recorded this Wednesday on April 29th. 
And as always, the cast and crew of the Atheist Experience will be going to dinner after the show at El Arroyo, 1624 West 5th Street, arriving around 6 p.m. Um, a couple of minor announcements. If you are in the uh, uh, Orange County, Los Angeles area, next week I'm going to be there. There's going to be the OC Free Thought Alliance Conference. Uh, and I'll be speaking about atheism, the internet, and video games. Uh, ACA this year is a sponsor of Camp Quest. We funded four campers, and uh, you can check out the ACA website for more details, probably. Yeah. Uh, finally, there's an election next week. Yes, indeed. And we haven't mentioned that hardly at all, but if you are local to Austin, you're going to want to show up and uh, make sure your dues are paid up as a member uh, because you can hold the fate of the ACA in your hands. Yes. Uh, what What's going on? Uh, is anything else happening that... Uh, it's this next Sunday, right? Right, next Sunday, 1 o'clock <coughs> at the ACA library. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll have the election, and uh, we'll socialize a bit, and we'll provide some soft drinks. And I, I don't know if we did we commit to providing pizza or what did we? Do? I don't know. I don't know. I we'll, feel like we'll we do did, something. but uh, we'll, there might be. <laughs> yeah, maybe there'll be pizza there. I don't know. Anyway, we'll have something there. But for you'll you get to, to vote. That's the best. Yeah, part. Yeah, that's the best part. <laughs> and if you're not a member and you want to be, you can join right there um, at the elections. So, yes. So just because you haven't paid your dues yet, no problem. Show Doesn't up. Mean you shouldn't show you up. You can yeah. pay your dues on the spot and vote in the election. And Russell is running for vice president, so. But I'm not going to be there. Yeah, so sadly I'm he won't be, be there. Um, but he he is going to run for vice president. And so. nobody else is running against me, so. Yeah. <laughs> but you can show up, run against me, and probably sweep it because, <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, so. Uh, all so of, what's all of the current board will be returning. They'll be standing for election again. So, um, great. Uh, so, what's on your mind today? Well, we got an email, and it's mm-hmm. um, we, you know we get a lot of email, and once in a while one pops out as something that might have broader interest to people. And I know that we get a lot of emails about um, religious indoctrination of children, and particularly where there's one. Um, party that that's kind of objecting to it, and then you know there's a really um, fundamentalist type on the other side that's really trying to indoctrinate the children. So we got one of those emails, and it's kind of got an interesting twist here. Um, so I'll read a little bit of it for you. Um, um, paraphrasing a bit, the, this guy writes to us. He he raised his children to be kind of indifferent to religion. He's an atheist, although he didn't identify as one until probably five years or so ago. Um, and now he regrets uh, that he didn't become more of an activist sooner because um, I guess he and his wife divorced many years ago. Um, she's a real Bible thumper, according to him. And now they have a two-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter. And the ex-wife is indoctrinating the two-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter. And he says he doesn't want her uh, to confuse her, but he doesn't want this sort of um, information to go uncontested, and he's wondering um, how to handle this. You know, it, it, does he basically start a conflict within the family over this? Um, so, anyway, um, he wants to know, you know, what our advice would be, and uh, so 
I thought I'd throw this out there. And <sighs> unfortunately, as a grandparent, yeah, you, you don't, don't actually have, a lot have of authority. Yeah, you don't have any rights. Um, there aren't any such things like grandparents' rights. Um, so, um, if it can be demonstrated that the that the some kind of abuse is going on, then right. that's one thing. But but even then, the parents would have to be the ones. I mean, I guess a grandparent could raise an issue of abuse, but really, the parents need to be involved in this. And so, my recommendation is. Uh, go to talk to your children about how they feel about um, your, your child, about how, they, how he feels about his, his daughter being indoctrinated. And if he objects, then he certainly has um, grounds to, uh, to basically stop the indoctrination. Um, and, and as an aside, um, you know, I, I agree that indoctrination shouldn't go unchallenged. And so you have just as much right to present your views to your grandchildren as their grandmother does. So, you know, it, I mean, I, I don't think that um, you should start a family war over it, but um, certainly, you know, two and a half is old enough to, to begin an indoctrination process. It's yeah. also old enough to have a conversation about, you know, what's real and what's imaginary. Right, yeah. And, uh, you know, as as you know, as long as you're not getting cut off <laughs> from yeah. the kid, from access to the kid yourself, which is a real time to start worrying uh, you can certainly have those conversations with the kid and work to undermine that kind yes. of indoctrination and talk about, um, you know, your non-belief and your views on sort of cultish uh, religious training yeah. uh, and, you know, start the kid on some critical thinking as early as you can. Yeah. One of the things that I'd point out as well, and, and Russell, I'm sure you can speak to this being mm -hmm. a parent yourself, um, is that this is not a one-and-done conversation with a kid, even a kid who's right. a little bit older. Um, this conversation about religion and what people believe and why they believe it is an ongoing conversation that you'll have with a child you know, for their whole life, basically, until they're of an age when they've you know, got enough reasoning ability and and information to form their own, you know, firmly held beliefs. So don't think that you're going to be able to have this conversation and then, you know, not have it again. Yeah, and on that note, I would say that the most important thing you can do for the kid is make sure, first and foremost, that you have a good relationship with them. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, be an active part of their lives. Take them out to do fun stuff because, uh, you know, the, the child, while... Uh, you know, he can't control who he's with all the time. He certainly has a say in who he likes to be with. Right. Um, and if you are on uh, good terms, just person to person with your with your grandkid, um, then you're then they'll be a lot more likely to be interested in what you have to say. And let's let's be honest, church of all kinds tends to be kind of boring for kids, mm -hmm. and it can be a real breath of fresh air for a kid to hear a trusted and respected authority figure saying, oh, yeah, I know how you feel, that, you know, that stuff's nonsense. Yeah, especially a little bit older when they start playing the emotional hook um, mm -hmm. about, you know, didn't you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit when you were there? And there's an awful <laughs> lot of social pressure in that situation 
for kids to go along with what other people are, this kind of information other people are feeding them. Um, and yeah, you want to, you want to build a relationship with a kid that kind of lets them shrug that off, like, oh, okay, that's, that's part of the, the church deal. You know, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, it becomes easier to, to shrug that off if you're, and make sure you're the one that your uh, grandkids come to when they want to talk about the experiences that they've had with somebody neutral. Yep. Okay, so that's right. uh, that's what I had for today. So okay. I guess we Thanks can go to calls. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to start today with uh, Tony in California. Hello. 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 You're hey. on. Uh, you hear me? <laughs> you're on. It sounds like you're uh, calling in from a ham radio or something, but uh, <laughs> but we can hear you. Yeah. Um. Hey guys, how you doing? Good. Pretty good. Um. So my question. Um. I debate a lot with my godfather. He's a theist, and I'm an atheist. Mm-hmm. Um. And I, I try. I'll, like the last debate we had, I was asking about what he thought about mentally ill going to heaven and if it changed your personality. And in those debates, he always goes to, it seems like you have, like, uh, hurt heart. You just need to find Jesus. But <laughs> yeah. he'll never answer the question. I'm wondering if you guys have any techniques to get him to answer the question. Uh, my general answer to questions like that is No. <laughs> If you are uh, dealing with a particular individual who's stubborn and obnoxious and making personal comments, you can't change them, and it's not your problem. Uh, you can uh, you can tell that person if you want. Look, you're kind. I mean, you're kind of rude when you talk about religion, and I am not that interested in what you have to say. He's not rude about it. I, I just okay. want, whenever I pose a question to him. It seems like his go-to is just deflecting, and I won't be able to understand because I don't have Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So my question is: uh, aside from him, understand this is your Godfather. Yeah, he's my Godfather. Okay. okay. So aside from the Godfather part, what's his relationship to you? Oh, we're we're really close. Um, after my father passed away, he's been a big part of my life. Okay. So I care about him a lot. He's a good guy. It's not like he tries to push. But he, you know, whenever he brings it up, because every once in a while he'll bring up religion, and I don't mind talking about it. Okay. Um, it's just whenever I try to pose a hard question that goes outside of the realm of his basic Bible, he just deflects. Yeah. Well, have you tried telling him, it sounds to me like you have a hurt heart. It doesn't <laughs> look like Jesus is doing you much good. I mean, if he's going to get personal... <laughs> uh, you can also flip that script around on him. Okay. Well, there's actually um, some research out there, and, and we've uh, cited it a couple of times um, on the show here. I, I don't, um, I don't have the title of the paper and everything, but it was published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Science, um, and it's basically it, it describes uh, people's views of what they think God thinks about certain issues. And remarkably enough, the views that they think God thinks about certain issues, they're the same views they have about those issues. So basically, um, it documents the idea that your God always hates all the same people you hate. 
and the fact that people's God, their concept of God is a one-off. So this whole idea that you'll find Jesus in your heart, basically what he's, he's validating is this idea that um, whatever you already believe, that's what you're going to find um, in religion. So um, there's not any really, you know, ultimate truth there. Um, and if he can't answer that, he's basically just admitting that his God is a one-off. Okay. I mean, I know there's probably not much help for getting him to answer, but that's kind of an explanation of where he's coming from. He, he actually doesn't really have a good answer for your questions. And uh, Russell, are you going to be in Fullerton next week? I think I'm going to see you at a conference. Uh, yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's where I'm going to be. Whatever the uh, Orange County Free Thought Alliance conference is happening. Awesome, yeah. Well, I think thanks guys for taking the call, and I'll see you at that conference. Okay, okay come on up, say hi. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. Aaron in Phoenix. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes. yes. All right, so pretty much I'm an atheist, my girlfriend is a Mormon, and we talk about our differences, we get along mostly, but whenever we talk about this, it kind of gets to the point where she knows that she's wrong in a way, but she has to believe because of the whole idea of heaven and all that good stuff. So this isn't exactly a love guru show, but do you believe that it's all right to pursue this kind of like discourse? Do you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Well, it's not up to us to decide yeah. if it's all right. It's your relationship. The, yeah. qu- the mm-hmm. thing is, um, either it's all right between the two of you or you break up. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and there is no way of predicting how, uh, you know, how a relationship is going to weather or something like that. If you're, if what you're saying is true and she, you know, deep down recognizes that she hasn't got good reasons for believing things uh you can always hold out and hope that eventually this is going to be too much for her and she's gonna just give up on the whole thing but you can't count on that either yeah yeah i mean one of the main things that i'm trying to say with my quote like if you have members or friends and being religious is a good thing with them is there any point to pursue it to tell them uh, you're breaking up really bad there. So can you repeat that? I mean, if you have family or friends that the religion does something good for them, actually, is there any point to pursue it? Pursue what? Pursue a discourse with them on if God is real or not and all that. Uh, as long as you enjoy the discourse and she enjoys the discourse, then sure. I mean, okay. it it really comes down to a matter of personal preference. Um, well, and and I think that ironing out issues about religion are really important before you formalize your relationship with marriage or or whatever. And especially if you're later on planning on having kids, you got to have these issues settled before then, or at least have an agreement for how you're going to proceed with this. Because if she's a Mormon. You know, there there are lots of implications for a Mormon being involved with a non-Mormon, one of which is you can't get married in the temple. So yeah. how does she feel about that? You know, that's a big deal. And would she expect to raise the kids Mormon? Yeah. Obviously, that and is a serious issue for yeah, both of you. Yeah, that's huge. So, yeah, I know. 
those are questions. I mean, you have to have this kind of conversation. And whatever comes out of that conversation, it's got to be something you can both live with or you really don't have much in the way of options. All right. Thank you guys so much. I know this isn't exactly a love uh, <laughs> call-in show, but I feel this is something that many atheists probably experience. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it is. And, you know, we're not saying it can't work, um, but it's something that you need to be cautious about. And, uh, you know, you need to be aware of the possibility that if there are things that uh, are, I believe, irreconcilable differences is the legal term for why lots and lots of marriages end up in divorce. And... It's a good idea to find out early on if they're irreconcilable or not. Okay. Thank you, guys. Have a good day. All right. Thanks. See ya. You know, it's interesting. Um, when I was uh, doing the second parent adoption of my son, one of the requirements for second parent adoption is that you have to have a social worker come in and do a home study. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they don't care about um, atheism. So I, I adopted my son as a second parent as an out atheist lesbian okay, <laughs> in Texas. It's legal. Nothing wrong with it. Okay, um, They didn't care about the lesbian part. They didn't care about the atheist part. But the big thing that they were concerned about was that um, my partner and I were on the same page when it came to religion. So that they were, you know, they wanted to make sure that we both held, you know, the same views about how we were going to uh, raise our son. Otherwise that would have been considered a big red flag mm-hmm. for the stability of, of the home. So um, just a thought there. This is kind of a big deal. And so, uh, you know, people who are focused on child welfare, uh, they pay attention to those things. Yeah. So you should, too, if you're going into a relationship that you expect to be long-term and you're going to bring children into it. Right. And, of course, being on the same page doesn't mean you have the same religion necessarily. Exactly. But exactly. it means that you have some kind of consensus about what you're going to do with the kids. Yes. Uh, cello in Long Island? Hello? Hello, yes. This oh. is Cello. How are you? Hey, Good. how are you? If you like my name, I go Cello. <laughs> cello. Actually, the reason I'm talking to you guys is because my friend Andrew, I invited him to play Stratego, and he said, you know, i got to watch this show. So <laughs> I was interested because I respect Andrew tremendously. Oh, okay. Well, uh, you know, Stratego, Stratego players can't be all bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my question to you is, I'm a Unitarian Universalist, and I've been a Unitarian Universalist for quite a long time. I was brought up Catholic. That wasn't working for me. It became a UU, and once I... Joined in my congregation, I realized there's a lot of atheists in my in my congregation, and mm-hmm. I was wondering what your thoughts were about atheists and their relationship with Unitarian Universalists. Oh. I'm cool with it. Yeah, I mean, we have. Uh, I mean, John Acoletti has been um, kind of open about the fact that he used to attend a UU con- congregation here in Austin, so he was a member of the UU congregation for a long time. Yeah, when it, when I went to uh, uh, American Atheist Convention last month, I spent a lot of my time like going out to uh, clubs and bars and stuff with a uh, UU minister from Missouri. Yeah. Um, so uh, they are generally cool people, and I think mostly the Unitarian uh, religion, such as it is, has no position on God. Am I right? Uh, well, they do and they don't. The thing is about Unitarian Universalists were. We're not about dogma. 
Um, for example, you, you may be sitting in a pew with um, an atheist next to you, a former Muslim, um, a Buddhist, a Catholic myself, and so on. And what I think is great about it, I've learned it's opened my mind much more to my other brethren that may believe certain things that I do or may not. And, um, and that's been great, where I know if I stayed as a Catholic, I would have never, ever entertained the idea. Sure. So yeah. are you yourself a God-believing Unitarian or what? Yes, I am a God-believing Unitarian. Okay. You um, don't have a problem with atheists, though. No, I don't. I think okay. that's a problem with our world. We have too many problems, creating problems where there's really no need to. What I've learned, I feel like as a Catholic, when I was brought up as a Catholic, that I know more atheists and agnostics actually walk the path of Jesus Christ than my some Catholic people that I know. And what I mean by that is basically not Jesus as like, you know, thinking of him like uh, uh, the Holy Trinity and the whole thing. I'm talking about him as a an activist, as uh, a social justice type of guy. Yeah. That well, I, I personally aspect. have some disagreements with yeah. Jesus also <laughs> as a person, the way he's portrayed in, in the Bible. But there are some good things he said. Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. But, like, I think people get caught up so much on the aspect of... um you know, I'm right, you're wrong. If I'm right, you got to be wrong. And I don't really care about that. I, I really care about how, like, one human being treats another human being. That's what it's really all about. Um, and, and that's what it comes down to. So I really do believe in a golden rule. And, uh, and that's it. You know, everything else is just basically celebrating diversity. And uh, if my brethren does not believe in God, so be it. And if yeah, does, well, that's fine too. I think for the most part, I'm with you that uh, it's really important how people treat each other, and I think that uh, you and I would probably have the same goals in a lot of aspects of life. Uh, at the same time, I do find the question of whether God exists or not an interesting question that influences right. people's thinking in a lot of ways, and I do like having those conversations, obviously, yeah. or I wouldn't be here. Right, and we like having those conversations as well. Right. As you use, anyway. But sure. thank you very much. Okay, thanks, thanks. for calling. Bye-bye. Bye. Go ahead and pick up number two there real two? quick. Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, Kyle in uh, Indiana. Hey, Russell. Hey, how you doing? Hey. Great. Uh, I hope you guys are doing well. Long-time watcher, first-time caller, you know. Hey, I'm up here in Indiana. And right before you guys went on break, we passed the uh, Religious uh, Freedom of Religion Restoration Act. Right. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah, and restoring something that was never in jeopardy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's, well, it, and it turns out it's basically an anti-gay yep. law. Um, but I guess I'm calling to defend most of the people up here in Indiana who really don't support it. And it, it's almost like an obvious example of how a small group of religious people can uh, really influence government. Yeah. Was that thing put up for a vote? I mean, was there a popular election, or was it just a bunch of lawmakers who had uh, already been elected and decided to put it House, and then it's presented to the governor, uh-huh. and it was signed into law. Now, it hasn't went into effect yet, but it's certainly going to. They revised it to make... Uh, the wording a little better. Um, but what I, I think is really strange about it, no matter how you look at it, 50 years from now, when the times finally changed, 
you're going to find these same people probably standing up and saying how they supported gay rights and how they're at the forefront when in all reality they've done nothing but try and uh, suppress equal rights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the the thing that I've found interesting about these state-level RIFR laws, which are really, uh, like you said, thinly disguised anti-gay legislation, um, this is basically the no-cake-for-gays kind of laws. Um, and they're, they're defending them, saying, oh, but there's this federal RIFR law that, you know, was passed, and, and nobody had a problem with that. And the difference is that the, the federal RIFR law was passed with bipartisan support, and it was designed to protect religious minorities who, for example, use peyote in a religious ritual so that they couldn't be fired or discriminated against because their religious rituals require the use of this otherwise controlled substance. Now, I don't agree with that either because I think no religion should get any kind of special treatment under the law. Um, That said, I don't have a problem with peyote use either. I think, you know... That, but, but, you know, if it's going to be illegal for some people, it should be illegal for everybody. Um, Absolutely. And, but, but they're comparing it to that. And it's like, okay, this is not the same thing. This whole deal with the, you know, there's a difference between carving out a special place for certain minority religions, which, again, I disagree with. But, um, and, and then also creating a law that's used as a bludgeon against another minority um, and that's what these state-level RIFRA laws do, is they basically create a bludgeon that can be used against um, other minorities. Yeah, I don't disagree with the thing you're saying, Jen. Um, I guess it's just funny to me how, and I have a lot of gay friends here, and actually in Huntington, which is a pretty small town, but all over, and most people I know also do too, yet we'll allow our state legislature to make us look really bad. I mean, we're losing business. Um, yeah. And I guess I just, since I know you guys are down in Texas, uh, I guess I'm just sort of sending a appeal out to those who do watch your show that Indiana's not as bad as they're making us look. Oh, we, we've got our own version of this going <laughs> through the legislature right now. Yeah. You know, one of the things about, um, I guess one of the external criticisms of Texas has historically been we don't have a professional legislature. So the ledge only meets every two years. And, you know, they're in session for a few months, and then they go away for another two years, okay? And people are saying, oh, you know, this is kind of a problem. Maybe you should have, like, professional legislators. And we're like, no. Um, they can only screw things up for a brief window of time every two years. And so right now the circus is in town. And right. they'll be gone in a little while, and then we won't have to worry about these yahoos for another two years. Um but, yeah, that's like that's actually like a feature, not a bug, the fact that we don't have, have professional legislators here in Texas. I guess um, if you want to see a silver lining to all this, it is that um, these kinds of legislations are really kind of a desperation move by old people yes. who are uh, losing support on this sure. that issue. And if you look for support for gay marriage uh, over time, uh, you're you're finding like I think that within the last year, it's it's uh, become for the first time like well over fifty percent. Yes, it's like over sixty percent. Sixty percent. First time yeah. ever first that time that's been 60. the case. Yeah. So this is this is a done deal. This and you mm-hmm. know the Supreme Court's going to rule on this this summer. Right. It's going to be the law of the land and. 
there will be much wailing and gnashing of teeth over this mm -hmm. by the religious right, but they know they are on the wrong side of history. They're losing. Yeah, they're going to lose. And I mean, even lots of Republicans uh, have started saying that, like, look, we're going to have to abandon this issue. Yeah. You know, we're going to have right. to find and some other hill to die on. Yeah. And that's sort of why I was saying it earlier that I could see in the future, once everything is settled, these same people that were against gay rights actually stand up and try and pretend like they were at the forefront. Sort of what I saw with uh, the Equal Rights Amendment and women's rights and, and such. Hey, I'll, let, I'll get off here and let you guys take some more calls. Thanks very much. I love what you guys do. Keep it up. Thank okay. you. Cool. Bye. See ya. Nicholas in Florida. Hi. Hi. Hey, how are you guys doing? Good. Good. Hey, um, I had a, my question is basically the uh, Kalam cosmological argument. I'm sure you guys have probably heard it before. Um, yep, but it's before wrong. I start, I guess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> before I start, I guess I, I might as well make sure um, both of you would subscribe to the uh, Big Bang uh, cosmological model. Would that be correct? I think that it is it's, the best known yeah. explanation of uh, the expansion of the universe. Given that right. neither of us is a cosmologist. Right. Um, we right, accept the yeah. consensus view of the cosmologists. Right. And also, you realize that uh, the that the Big Bang was not uh, is not treated as like the very first thing that ever happened. Right, right. That's as far as far back as as we could uh, as we know so far to the Planck time. Yes. Right. Um, so my question, I guess, would be. Uh, Considering that it's not the first thing to happen, um, it would have a cause. I'm assuming. Potentially. What do you What do you mean potentially? Uh, well, <clears throat> when I say that it's not, I mean, for, first of all, there there was a Planck time before that, so right. we can't right. tell exactly what happened before that. Uh, right. But there's one model of the universe that suggests that uh, time and space, uh, like, came into existence si uh, simultaneously. And so the notion that there is a before at a certain point ceases to have any meaning. Right. But would you agree that um, something, whatever that thing might be, or things, plural, or whatever it might be, um, it would, it, the Big Bang at least would have had a cause? You can't make that claim. Yeah, that's the problem with the Planck time. We would can't tell that, what was going on before that. Would you say that based on everything we know about reality so far, <laughs> it would be more plausible to say that there was a cause for the Big Bang? Everything we know about reality so far has, like, no resemblance to what was happening around the time of the Big Bang. So it, is, it doesn't, it barely makes sense to even <laughs> speculate about that. Yeah. So would you say it's, would you say it's possible that the universe, whatever that might entail, when I say the universe, I mean literally everything, which would be whatever that might be before uh, the Big Bang or during it and after it, uh, would you say it's possible that it infinitely regresses? Maybe. Yeah. Who knows? Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to check up on that, see what you guys thought of that. Um, I guess as far as I, I, I could think, the infinite regression just doesn't seem to make any sense on any level. It seems, uh. But an infinite being does? Yeah. Well, see, yeah, that's something that's common with, uh, it's sort of like, okay, the, the Big Bang, for example, or infinite universes compared to, well, if the infinite universe is ridiculous, then an infinite God would be ridiculous. Well, the difference, I kind of view it like this, 
we're talking about, they kind of leave out the fact that God is uncreated. So if you're talking about the universe... or Well, I mean, that's just special pleading. Yeah. I mean, if if you agree, if if you're saying at the outset that there is something uncreated or uncaused, uh, there is no particular reason to think that, uh, that it's a God. You're saying that some things have that attribute. But I'm, but basically what I'm saying is that when it comes down to it, as far as any origin theory at all, as far as like, let's just, let's just say that religion isn't true, or, you know, let's just say that anything goes, essentially. Let's think of any possibility. In our wildest imagination, the only thing I can see that we're left with is either infinite regress, you know, or for example, the infinite universe, which doesn't make sense on anything we know so far. Nothing adds up to there being an infinite regress. It, it, you come up with all kinds of issues like, okay, well, how is there... Okay, you know, everything you're saying there, right example, now about infinite there. regresses, I also think about God. So that isn't getting us right. anywhere. Well, yeah, well, well, that's what I'm saying. Let's say that we applied that, uh, the, that to God. Well, you're left with... You're left with infinite regress, which I'm assuming would be absurd. Every uh, so is God. Any, so where are you going with this? I'm trying to. I'm trying to ask basically in your wildest imagination. Like if you could think of any um, ultimate origin or whatever. If you just kept going back in time, so to speak, would it be? And I'm not trying to uh, do special pleading or try to say, oh, well, if it's more probable to believe in God, well, we should just believe in God. I'm not trying to argue that, but I'm just saying for the sake of argument here, um, would it be which one is more uh, – well, I'll say which one is less ridiculous. I'll put it that way. A being who is uncaused and eternal or us – why do you why do you apparently have a problem with something infinite but then in the same breath say that you don't think it's ridiculous because at all for God to be the infinite because the, because there's a difference between comparing God with the universe the universe what? we know is not infinite infinite regress we know no, that our specific at least as far as our specific part of the universe that we know we don't know what else is outside the universe it could be another universe for all we know as far as the entire universe itself would necessarily include everything that exists. No, because there's two meanings of the term universe. When we talk about the universe that began with the Big Bang, we're not talking about the universe in the mathematical sense of, like, the universe of all numbers or something, the set of everything. I mean, you're, you're conflating the two, and they used the same words. But, well, but me, the thing me, is, we don't actually know that the universe is all-encompassing. As far as space and time are concerned, as far as the farthest knowledge we've gotten so far is that space and time started at some point. This universe of space and time. Which we have zero evidence of any other universe in existence. Nor do we have any evidence of a god, so we're stuck. Well, I'm not talking about... I'm just talking very far. I'm doing a lot of talking. You want to take over for a minute? No, no. Let's. All right. Okay, enjoying so, listening. So as far as basically what basically what I'm saying is that right now our current level of knowledge is essentially uh, that space and time itself, at least in this universe, I'll, I'll grant that at least, even though there's zero evidence for any other universe. But in this universe, at least space and time had a beginning. Well, if I were to just I said that's complete, one possibility. If I, if I were to if I were to presuppose, let's say that God didn't exist, if I were to just 
to just smash that up, any sort of deity, any sort of ultimate being. In other words, anything that is uncaused and eternally backwards in time, forward, backward, just eternally existent, uncaused thing. If I were to just presuppose that that did not exist or can't exist or whatever, and I were to try to think of any sort of explanation, ultimate explanation, in other words, for the universe, let's say there was another, here, here's what I'm saying basically, if there was another universe outside of this universe, or multiple universes or multiverses, I would still need an explanation for those multiverses. And if I had an explanation for that explanation, I'd need another explanation. At some point, what I'm saying is at some point logically, you could either you could you could only do one th- you know one of three things basically. So you, you feel could, that the best way out of this conundrum is to just make something up that no, has no, no, infinite no, no, properties. No, I'm, I'm asking I'm trying to get your view, but I, I want to finish. We I think it's you. absurd. Yeah. What else do we need think, to say? We, we think don't it's think God is a useful no, 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 explanation. I'm not, I'm, not talking, I'm not talking about God yet. I'm, t- I'm, ask, I'm about to ask your view of, of three possibilities, uh, essentially for everything, like everything, everything, the whole universe, multiverses, etc. Basically, the way I think, well, the way I figure it, I can only think of three possibilities. There's the one would be that there is a an infinitely uncreated first cause of everything. And this being, or whatever you would call it, just why I wouldn't exists. call it a being. Or what, well, yeah, whatever. This thing, whatever it would be, this thing. just this this thing or things were the the uncaused first cause. Essentially, there's the one possibility. Well, let's just say that that's utterly ridiculous and throw that out. So, what would we be we be left with? When I try to think of what we would be left with, I can think of two possible things. Okay, either the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate first cause thing is just something that started out of literally nothing. And by nothing, I mean actually, I don't mean it in the way that uh, uh, Krauss talks about where he says, oh, nothing is, I mean what rocks dream about basically, nothing, nothing, you know. So there's, there's the two final possibilities would be either A, something started out of literally nothing, it just spontaneously popped into existence. Which to me, on every level of imagination, that makes no sense for something to just spontaneously. So, which one of these options do you think God did? What? Which one of these options do you think God did? Uh, Can I? I want to. I want to finish my. No, I would like to hear an answer to that question. Which one do I think God did? Yeah. Um, I don't know which, uh, what method or how God exactly was. So you're uncomfortable with the idea of not knowing where the universe came from, uh, but you are addressing that uncomfortableness by inventing another explanation which has the exact same problems. As our lack of knowledge about the ultimate origins well, feel, of the universe, I, right? I, I don't. I don't think it's fair for you to not let me finish and then say what I believe about something when I haven't even told you what I believe. That seems kind of. That doesn't sound very fair. Well, so the thing just, is wow, that when I talk to people advancing the calm cosmological argument, almost right. universally they are uh, they are trying to promote a Christian God. Yeah. No, but they come at they that. come at this question with this sort of vague, oh, I'm not really, I mean, you know, it's like the intelligent design people saying, hey, I'm not talking about God, but nudge, nudge, you know, it's really God. Yeah. No, I'm not trying to... I'm not, How else could no, it happen? I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to convince you. I want to ask you your view on what the three possibilities would be, basically. That's my questioning. 
I'm still doing research on the whole, you know, Big Bang theories, things. I have a lot of research to do, so I don't mm -hmm. want to say, basically, I don't want to say my view if I haven't actually done the research yet. So I want to ask you guys what, what your uh, opinion, I guess, with this. So, again, the three possibilities have already gone, you know, you could say the first theory would be God or some sort of ultimate infinite being that was uncreated, just eternally existed. The second possibility is that at some point in the past or whatever our pro approximation of the past would be, whatever you want to call that, the ultimate, ultimate final thing as far back as you can go, as far as anything goes, as far as multiverses, universe, the entire universe, everything, um, omniverse, the whole inclusive thing. Would First cause, we got it. Yeah. Yeah. At some point, something just popped into existence. And then the third possibility is that the universe or multiverses or whatever you would call it is infinite. It just infinitely regresses. Well, if you take out the first possibility and then you – I'm assuming you would take out the final third one because an infinite regressing universe or multiverses doesn't make sense in light of um, like entropy. I think you're mistaken how, here how about our want. position. We haven't taken out any of those definitively. The answer is just we don't know and have no basis for making a decision between those things. Yeah. Okay, so which one would you say out of those three possibilities? Basically, None my question of the above. I don't know. <laughs> That so is really the answer. Hang on, I'm not. I'm not asking you which one you believe. I'm not asking you that. I'm saying, okay. out of those, can I? I want to. I want to finish the sentence, please. I'm, out of those three possibilities, would you say that there is another possibility besides those three, or if if not? Out of those three, which would you say is the more likely one, the most likely? And I'm not, it doesn't have to be the first one, but in your opinion, what would be the most likely out of those three possibilities? And if none of those, do you have a fourth possibility, a fifth one, et cetera? The answer to all of those things is still don't know. No, no, no. I'm not asking if you. I'm not asking if you know. I know you don't know. I don't know yeah. either. Let's just say. Let's just say for. Our, for let's just say for argument's sake. Look, I don't know either. There I could, have no clue, right? Look, I'm I can. I can your... speculate and make up answers the same as right. you. But uh, I have no. no, 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 no. I mean, like I could say there is actually a fourth possibility that I haven't thought of yet. Or I could come up with a fourth possibility that I could make up off the top of my head, as you're doing with God. I'm not asking but, you to do that. <clears throat> Um, but, you know, what you're asking me to do, basically, is tell you yes or no, those three possibilities no, that you've no, just no, listed no. are exhaustive, no. and the no. answer is, I don't know. There could be no, a fourth no, no, possibility, not, there could you, not be a fourth you, possibility. I'm not asking you to <laughs> a definitive answer, I'm just asking, in your opinion, based on what you know so far at least, in your opinion, what would you say? I'm not asking you to agree with any of those. I really, any. really don't have a position on this, and you can yeah. ask me all the different ways of rewording it that you can think of, but my answer is still going to be I don't have a position because I don't know. That's it. Okay, so, so you, can't, you can't even give a, a guess on what would you personally think at the moment would be the most likely. You can't even say that. Not really. I think, I mean, personally, I think God is the least likely of those, but that's okay. well, personal can, well, preference. Well, well, hang on a minute. If you, if you can say that he's the least likely, then you've now just made the two remaining ones at least more likely. No, we haven't. You just said it's well, the least no. likely. No, slightly. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, no, I mean, rejecting <laughs> one wrong answer doesn't mean that other possibly wrong he answers are more least, likely. He said least likely. That's a comparative uh, term. Of the three things you listed. The, he's, you're basically saying the two remaining ones are more likely in comparison to the first. So you now actually have made a judgment on it. 
Okay. All right, fine. So what? Okay. Well, I guess uh, I guess now that you've knocked out the first one at least. Uh, no, I haven't knocked it out. No, I just no, said no, no, it's sorry, the no, least I likely. Didn't make it sorry. <laughs> now that you now that you've made this the first one, you've made it clear that you think it's the least likely out of the remaining two. Do you have an opinion on what the remaining two? Which one of those is more or less likely? No. Nope. Nothing. No, no. opinion at all. No. Nope. That's, that's that's odd. They may not oh, even be the. For, they may not even be the only remaining options. Well, yeah, I'm not saying they are the remaining options. Okay. There might be more. I'm just saying, out of those two, what would you got? You have zero. You have absolutely zero Listen, opinion. In not only way. that, we're not even that interested in those two. I'm not yeah. saying you are interested. I'm uh, just asking. Listen, I have some change in my pocket. How much change does it add up to you? Do you have an opinion on that? I would say I could make if you gave me information about each like the coins or whatever I could make an approximation of what Good more likely. point. Yes. I, well, let me let me I'll give you But in the answer. absence of that, that information right you don't that, even have right speculation, now. right? Could I answer could I answer the question then? Okay. Can I answer it right now. If you asked me what's more likely to be in your pocket, a million dollars in change hundred dollars in change. I'll narrow it down for you. It is between one cent and ninety-nine cents. Now, which of those values do you think is the most? No, you can't. (laughs) Why? 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 I don't interrupt you when you're talking. I want to just finish the sentence. I'm just saying, if you asked me if there's, if it's more likely for there to be two dollars, a hundred, or a billion in your pocket. That's not the question I asked you. What's the question? I have an amount between one cent and 99 cents. Which of those things do you think is most likely? And I think that that analogy you're making is not applicable because it's not the same as an analogy that I was making with the three questions. Well, that's true because we have even less information about the universe than you have information about coins in my pocket. But you you can use your brains and you can use the laws of logic and rules to approximate... Can you use the laws of logic to tell me how much change I have in my pocket? And I think it's a false analogy. It doesn't apply to the question. Well, okay. Not only that, but there are there are actually a finite number of of guesses that you can possibly make about the amount of change Russell has in his pocket. Whereas, right. I don't even know that we've narrowed down the possibilities for for the questions you're asking. Well, how about how about this? I'll, I'll skip the whole which one is more likely. Could I could at least assist? Do you think that it's possible? that uh, there was a final, there is or was, or there would be, I guess. Do you think it's possible that there is an ultimate uncaused thing or things? I think I'm going to go with Tracy's answer on this one, which is I don't even know enough to tell you whether it's possible or not. Yeah. It just seems a little weird that you wouldn't even be able to say it's a possibility. I mean, if if you can't, I don't it, know. It just seems weird because, like, for example, somebody asked me, "Do unicorns exist?" I would say, I would say no, but it's How so you know? incredibly unlikely that they might as well not exist. So I'd still be able okay. to give an approximate. If they said, if they said, is it even remotely possible that unicorns exist? I'd have to say, yes, it is remotely possible. I would never say, I just, I can't, I can't say, I can't have an opinion on that. Because I would have to at least grant that it's a possibility. So it seems a little weird that... Okay. that well, the that search space for, uni- for unicorns is a lot smaller than the search space for God. I mean, you are, after all, talking about Earth where there are generally multiple copies of any particular biological species. 
right. So, I mean, we have a lot more information about unicorns than we have for this vague notion of God, which seems to be all over the place. Because, I mean, you know, you, you know and I know that you're unicorns. talking about the Christian God, but you well, won't even well, say that much. But, yeah. Let's, let's clarify. <clears throat> what are your religious beliefs, Nicholas? Christian. Okay. Okay. Specifically, what flavor of Christianity? Well, I'd be one of those people who would say, I'm not any flavor, it's just biblical ah. Christianity. Of course, you would immediately say, well, that's what a lot of different people say. But I guess the closest would be, um, the closest would be reformed, um, what, what would it be called? Uh, um, what's the opposite of sort of a Protestant, sorry. Yeah, reformed Protestant. Catholic? <laughs> yeah, Catholic. But of course, the, but of course the, uh, the justification for being a Protestant, I would immediately argue, would be, uh, the, the biblical text and whatnot, and I would argue that Catholicism is opposed to the Bible. Okay. We uh, don't see any particular level. merit in the biblical text. But yeah. I mean, we since we don't see any particular merit in the biblical text, we don't consider people who say they're more biblical to be more or less Christian than <laughs> other people. I mean, yeah. you know, that, that's kind of for you guys to work out between yourselves. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's an, it's an in-house debate. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, thanks for taking my call. <laughs> okay. Yes. Thanks for calling. See you guys. Hey. All right. Cause these flying spaghetti monster to commit yeah. suicide. But <laughs> <laughs> Poor spaghetti monster. Uh, Jeff in California. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Hi. Hi. How you guys doing? We have um, a very few minutes. We have like so, eight, seven-ish minutes. Yes. So okay. what's on your mind? Okay, um, so I'll go ahead and let you guys know that I am a Roman Catholic. Yes, okay. we know. We got that information. Wow. Well, we, we know you're a theist. <laughs> yeah, Roman Catholic, they, uh, cool. Um, but most of my friends are atheists, and I enjoy, you know, just keeping up with the new atheists and all that they have to say. Um, <laughs> I, I just have a couple questions, I guess. Uh, these aren't necessarily like these are sincerely curious questions. I'm not like necessarily trying to, you know, set you guys up for anything. But um, I guess um, would you guys assert like the materialist worldview? I guess my question is essentially: um, Do you believe in anything outside of nature or beyond nature or our understanding? Do we believe in supernatural things? Is that the question? Um, not necessarily supernatural, but things that we just aren't evolved enough to understand, I guess. Um, I don't feel like I'm up enough on all the, you know, philosophical nuances, but I would definitely say I lean materialist. So, uh, in the sense that, like, for instance, if you would ask me, where human thoughts and feelings come from, I would say, you know, I would discuss it in terms of, whoa, well, there are these electrical patterns in the brains yeah, that influence our uh -huh. behavior. Brain chemistry. Yeah, yeah so um, in that way, like, I, I would refer to myself probably as a methodological naturalist in the sense that uh, it's only really useful to talk about and speculate on things that can be tested. Uh, but not necessarily a philosophical naturalist where I say, yes, absolutely, I rule out everything that uh, isn't part of the natural world. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now, okay. I mean, there are certainly things out there that we don't understand yet. Um, mm -hmm. I, I don't think that there. Um, I've yet to see anything that can be explored using the methods of science. Okay. I guess, I guess my question was more like, um, like, uh, do you think that there's anything that can't exactly be like studied through science? No. You know, not like no. I just said Maybe. that. I, well. <laughs> I mean, I, I just, I just said that you know, if, if there's, if there's some kind of phenomenon that's going on that has some effect on the material world, the physical world, mm -hmm. I think you can investigate that through the methods of science. You can at least make efforts. Yes. Uh, you can't necessarily rule out things that we can't detect through science, but uh, yeah, we can't really speculate on them very well either. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so, then I guess, but I mean that you guys also take, like, um, a subjective morality kind of view, like morality is relative, or, uh, do you still believe in a moral law, kind of, I guess? Uh, I would personally say that morality is a set of goals that we define for ourselves to help us get along with each other and have as effective and comfortable a society as possible. Uh, and in one sense, that is relative to the kinds of things we all value and want out of life. But in another sense, once we've nailed down that set of goals, there are things which are objectively better or worse at achieving those goals. <laughs> okay, um, so then, but like, okay, yeah, back to what I was saying with the materialist worldview. So then, how can you test any of those moral claims if, like, you can't obviously, you know, like, look at morality under a microscope? If that makes sense. Well, I mean, like Russell said, there are some things that are objectively better, um, produce better outcomes than others. Well, not so, necessarily well-being versus, like, suffering, but, like, good versus evil. Okay. What's the difference? Yeah, what do you, how do you define that? How do you define that? Yeah. Uh, just through your conscience, I guess? What? Well, That's I mean, what makes something Isn't good? is sort of a guiding hand? Like, we already, like, you know, no, no one, you know, like, ever questioned the idea of, like, gravity just because you knew it was there, so... Isn't sort of that like just sort of yeah, but gravity like, has a definition. You naturally know. implanted. Yeah, I mean, like Russell said, gravity has a definition. So what do you, where, how, how do you define whether something is good or evil? Um. Okay, that's a good point. I guess like whether it would be well-being or suffering. Okay, so there's there's some effect that it has on somebody, right? And mm -hmm. that's kind of what Russell was saying before. There's an objective you know, outcome based on a choice that you make. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hmm. Um, another one, I guess this is this is off point, but uh, just out of curiosity. So were both of you converts probably? Like, did you have a faith before and then slowly moved into atheism, I guess? Yes, I was raised as a Christian. Not me. I am a fourth-generation atheist. Oh, okay. Um, and so then have you guys, I guess for your conversion uh, process, did you do a lot of reading or anything like that? Like, did you read any? Yeah. 
uh, atheists that helped you or any Christian reading I, that sort I of... I actually deconverted as a result of reading the Bible. Okay. Anything besides the Bible? I'm sorry? Anything other than the Bible, I guess? Um, like, were there any authors that uh, you read and were just like, oh, wow, like, I can't believe I've been buying this wow. for so long? Oh, um, shoot, we're out of time. No authors in particular. I actually um, had a lot of conversations with other religious people in addition to <laughs> reading the Bible. And it was only much later that I started reading atheist literature. But by then I was pretty much... Hey, that's our show, and before I go, I just want to mention that apparently I have 46 cents in my pocket. There you go. (laughs) That is the answer. (laughs) Uh, And thank you all for watching. Uh, We'll see you at El Arroyo at 6. Thanks, thanks Jen, for coming. Yes. And uh, bye. Change is strong, and you can experience it at Gold's Gym. For a limited time only, join the most supportive and dedicated community in fitness for just $1. Get access to the latest cardio and strength equipment, the best group exercise classes, and expert personal trainers dedicated to your success. A stronger you is waiting at Gold's Gym today. Tap the banner now for a free pass. Offer ends February 29th. Valid with select new memberships at participating locations only. Commitment required. Annual fee and other restrictions may apply. How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola energy. Energy you want, taste you love.